gets a block, cuts it back, 40, 45, 50, he's off to the races, down the left sideline, to the 15, 10, 5, touchdown, Aaron Jones, oh, what a play! This is the Quick Slants Podcast. Game on Wisconsin and the Quick Slants podcast are brought to you by Artec Ventures. The goal at Artec Ventures is to collaborate closely with founders throughout all the investment and fundraising stages, turning their visions into successful companies. Since 2020, Artec Ventures has helped turn great ideas into profitable businesses that make an impact on industries, communities, and beyond. What's up, Packers fans? Welcome back to the Quick Slants podcast at Game on Wisconsin. I'm your host, Jason Perrone. You can find me on Twitter. I am at Jason Perrone. Most of you have already found me on Twitter as I interacted with quite a few of you during the game after the game and had a really good time doing so, even though the game itself was not the result that we wanted. The Green Bay Packers fall to the Minnesota Vikings in Minnesota by the score of 34-31. to It was a game that started out extremely slowly for the Packers and really heated up in the second half. Packers had their chances to steal one, get a win, even if you don't think they could have should have stole one and they should have just won outright, whatever the case may be. The chances were there. The Packers could not get it done. The Vikings get the W. Their season remains alive. They were on life support. The Packers fall to 8-3. and three. So, like I said, the Vikings, frankly, really had to win this game. Their season was on the brink. And at a home game, even though they did get it done, I think the, the, the Vikings... Uh, they're not really scaring anybody at this point. The, the NFC North is still very firmly the Green Bay Packers. And uh, Minnesota just they did what they had to do to keep their season afloat. There's six games to go. There's, there's a lot of work to do before the Vikings can start talking playoffs. But they can at least still kind of talk about it. And as for the Packers, it's their second loss in the last three games. Of course, two weeks ago, Kansas City, the Jordan Love game. So the Packers are now 8-3. and three. Now they still sit atop the NFC despite the Arizona Cardinals beating the Seattle Seahawks, that's a team whose whose season is probably over, is the Seattle Seahawks. It's been a long time since we've had a playoffs in the NFC without Seattle, and it looks like they're not going to make it this year. So the Cardinals get a win, so both Arizona and Green Bay are 8-3, but of course uh, Green Bay's got the tiebreaker over Arizona by the head-to-head victory, and so they're still atop the NFC. And sitting in a prime position, it was a costly victory on Sunday. Not only did the Packers lose the game, but they also lost all pro guard Elton Jenkins and Ian Rappaport tweeted shortly after Jenkins left the field that the Packers fear that it's a torn ACL. And if that is indeed the case, Elton Jenkins is absolutely done for the rest of this season. And his 2022 season may also be in jeopardy because this injury is occurring late in the season. We saw David Bakhtiari tear his ACL at the end of the calendar 2020 year, and he has yet to return to the field, and we're on the brink of December. So prayers up to Elton Jenkins. Hope he can be okay. He's been such a big part of this Packers team, such an important part of what they're doing up front offensively. And once again, the Packers are going to have to shuffle and scramble on the offensive line for some depth. This makes the conversation about when and if and when David Bakhtiari is going to be able to return all that more, much more important because now 
instead of really bolstering the offensive line with both Bakhtiari and Elton Jenkins. At this point, now you're just hoping to swap David Bakhtiari in for Elton Jenkins, who had been playing at left tackle. So the Packers in this injury situation is just, it's making it really difficult for me personally uh, to not to stay invested or to be a Packers fan, but to watch this team because they have so much in front of them and they keep losing key players. And you know, at some point that's going to be the one injury too many that it's going to really impact their season. And it may have already happened. Little did we know when David Bakhtiari got hurt that one of the things that was going to get the Packers beat in the NFC championship game and end their season was an inability to stop the pass rush from Tampa. And you have to wonder if David Bakhtiari plays in that game, if they don't fare better, and maybe they score one more time. Aaron Rodgers doesn't get sacked every time, and just all of that stuff. They run block a little better. Maybe Aaron Jones doesn't fumble. All sorts of different things. There's a lot to be said and done, but the Packers just, they keep losing guys. Last week, they lost three guys. Now, fortunately, two of the three, Aaron Jones and Rashawn Gary, seem very likely to return and return sooner than later, which is which is great. Whitney Merciless won't be back. His season is over with. We know Robert Tunyon's season is over with. Elton Jenkins would seem to be, his, his season would seem to be over. There is still an MRI to be done, but there's a lot of testing that can be done on the field to determine if, if a player has torn an ACL and, it's, and that testing seems to be pretty accurate. And so I'm going to go with that. That's probably what the injury is. And unfortunately, that is going to end Big Elton Jenkins' season. And he is probably not going to start next season healthy either. So that's the Packers are going to have to deal with that. And that's going to trickle down and it's going to be, be a huge impact. And I just, it's deflating. It's really deflating and it's hard. And that was the tenor of some of my tweeting on Sunday when I talked about how this season can really can really start to slip away. And a lot of, a lot of people were kind of questioning my thought process there and why I would say that. And they were focusing in on the fact that the Packers lost to the Vikings. Well, that is also part of it. I mean, it was still a game that the Packers could have won. And honestly, if you're undermanned, you got to find a way to win these games. You got to find a way to steal victories everywhere you can, because now you're going to be up against it. Now you're going to be facing teams without some of these players and you're not going to be stealing victories. You might just be losing. And I think the Packers still have talent to win games and win big games and, and take care of business that they need to take care of against some really good teams. And it's going to start next week in Green Bay against the Rams, a team that they absolutely need to beat because they don't want to have to go to Los Angeles in the postseason. But you get you couple these injuries with not winning games and finding a way to just let these things slip away, and it is costly because it's the difference between playing at home or going on the road. And it all depends on what you, what fans want and what their expectations are. And I'm going to talk about that a little bit later because I don't want to ever tell anybody how to fan, but I do want to just speak a little bit to why it's okay for every both sides of the fence to have their opinion on this whole thing. And Packers Twitter just wants to argue with each other back and forth. And one side wants to chastise the other. You know, if you're if you're down on the team because they lost and you're disappointed in the loss to the Vikings you're being you're being unrealistic and you're spoiled and all that other kind of stuff. And on the other side, if you're okay with it and you believe in moral victories and and you think it'll be fine and it's just one loss and the Packers weren't going to go undefeated or they weren't going to sweep the division, then 
uh, you're just okay with mediocrity and, and you don't really care about winning. And neither of those things are true. I just don't, I don't think it needs to be so, so one side or the other, but we get to the end of the game here. The Packers and the Vikings are tied and it looks like Kirk Cousins has thrown an interception to Darnell Savage. The Packers are going to get the ball with a chance to win before time runs out and walk out of Minnesota winners. But after replay is shown, turns out Darnell Savage did not complete the act of catching the ball. The call's overturned and the interception is nullified. So it's this is one of those things. It's one of those things that uh, the NFL just really struggles with as far as What's a catch? They just can't figure it out. What's a catch? Did he make a catch? He got one knee down. He had possession of the ball. As he's coming to the ground, he, before his other knee or elbow or any other body part hits the ground, he does kind of lose lose track of the ball. Now, we've seen that called a non-catch. And then you've got the Kevin King interception that happened in the end zone. And that was called an interception. It just, the, the, the league has some really interesting ways of interpreting some of these rules. And I don't think it's always done consistently. And from one officiating crew to the next, it's going to vary. And look, as far as the officiating goes, I think it's a, it's a fool's errand and it's futile to blame the refs. There was some blaming of the refs after this game. I really don't think that they really missed any calls. I know it's frustrating and some... People have been watching football for a long time, get really frustrated with these roughing the passer calls because it's like, you know, you can't tackle anymore. But Kingsley Kiki did hit Kirk Cousins with his helmet. That is applying the rule correctly. Sean Hockley, his dad, Ed Hockley, a former stud referee extraordinaire, and his crew, I think, got most of the calls right on Sunday. And I hope Vikings fans are listening to this because they seem to think that we complain a lot and we get all the calls and we complain a lot. No, not all of us. I think the the game was called fine. I don't think the I don't think the officiating was the problem. And you can disagree when that's fine, but I think the rules applied correctly. As far as the savage drop goes, he didn't get a second body part down. I don't know if he's supposed to as a defensive player. I don't know if the rules are the same or different, but he didn't complete the act of catching the ball. And the scoreboard says that Savage didn't catch the ball. So that's that. And I will say this. Darnell Savage played, has played really well. He's been a good safety. But he tweeted a, lo- a couple weeks ago, he tweeted that those drops were going to start turning into interceptions. He was going to start catching those. And he was going to, the, from this point forward, those are going to become picks. Well, the scoreboard says they're not. Because the Packers lost. And he didn't catch that one. And there was another one that he dropped. He had two or three. And I know I get the whole... They're defensive backs. They're not wide receivers for a reason. These are costing the Packers games. You drop a turnover, you cost the Packers a game. So it happens. The game happens very quickly. But you got to make that play, Darnell Savage. Because you disappointed yourself and Packers fans and me. And some of you might think that's petulant for me to say. I don't care. I expect big things out of this Packers team. I expect them to make that play. I'm disappointed that they didn't, and it's unacceptable that Darnell Savage did not catch that ball. You have to catch that ball. If you want the Packers to win a championship, you have to expect Darnell Savage to catch that ball. If you don't care, and you just want to watch the Packers play for three hours every Sunday, and the entertainment factor is enough, and winning and losing is very secondary, then that's fine. You don't have to be upset with Darnell Savage. I am. 
because I expect a lot bigger things out of this Packers team. The defense has been so good. They've carried this team. They were unable to do it on Sunday. They were unable to make some simple plays. Justin Jefferson was open all the time. He's a great receiver. On his touchdown, you got a defensive back on the ground. The pass rush just misses Kirk Cousins. How many times have we seen it? Justin Jefferson catches a little floater, walks into the end zone. Put the Vikings ahead. Those kind of things are not championship caliber play. And it's one of the reasons why the Packers should have won this game. You just take, just do the fundamentals. Just take care of, of business. Stay on your feet. All the mistakes. Just ridiculous. Eight penalties for 92 yards. Way too many. And they still had a chance to win this game. They should have had the ball last. The decision on who won this game should have been Green Bay's. Does Mason Crosby or does he not make a game-winning field goal? Does Aaron Rodgers or does Aaron Rodgers not throw a game-winning touchdown? Because the Packers have the ball last. Despite eight penalties for 92 yards, all the dropped interceptions, the slow start, the laggish first quarter, second quarter, all of that, a missed Mason Crosby field goal, still should have had the ball last. Friends, we can't be okay with that. We cannot be okay with this on a, in a championship caliber season. And at some point, I may come off of this, this attitude that I have. Because if the Packers are going to continue losing guys and they're going to keep suffering injuries, at some point it's just going to be like, look, they just they don't have enough guys to play. They don't have enough guys to, to field a competitive team. There's too many stars that are out. Everyone points to 2010 when they had so many injuries, but those injuries weren't to your absolute key guys. They weren't the Charles Woodsons, the Nick Collins. Now, Woodson got hurt in the Super Bowl, but didn't get hurt during, get on the way there. It wasn't Tremont Williams. It wasn't Aaron Rodgers. It wasn't Chad Clifton, Des Bishop, B.J. Raji, Colin Jenkins, any of those wide receivers. Those guys all made it. They survived. They were there. These are stars. Elton Jenkins, David Bakhtiari, Jair Alexander, Zadarius Smith. We don't know if Zadarius Smith and Jair are coming back or when. Elton Jenkins is probably done. David Bakhtiari is not active. It hasn't been active on game day yet. And Aaron Rodgers has this toe injury, whether it's turf toe, COVID toe, whatever you want to call it. And he's playing through it. And I'm going to assume that Rodgers has figured out how to play with it because he played his ass off on Sunday and put up phenomenal numbers, picked up a huge first down with his feet. So whatever's going on, he's playing through it, and he's doing fine. I'm not worried about 12. But he's hurt. He's got an injury. He's hurt. Matt LaFleur said inexcusable to have 12 men on the field coming off a timeout. These are not the kind of things a championship-caliber team does. It's not okay. You cannot do crap like that. You cannot turn in that kind of performance and do those kind of things and just show up and act like everything is fine. It's not. That is not disciplined football. Undisciplined football teams don't win championships. So do you want the Packers to win a championship? I ask you right now, answer the question to yourself. If your answer is yes, you cannot be okay 
with the performance the Packers turned in on Sunday. Some of you may still say, you know what? I am. I don't care. Shut up to me. Okay. We don't agree. And that's fine. I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with that. I just don't agree with it at all. Took too long to get going offensively. Packers didn't really abandon the run. I mean, situationally, they could only run as much as they could. They ended up running at 19 times for 95 yards. Aaron Rodgers had a couple of those runs. Actually, he he added 20 of those yards. So really, it was more like 16 runs for 75 yards. A.J. Dillon, I thought, did pretty good. He ran the ball well. No Aaron Jones out there. Patrick Taylor was okay. He did okay in in relief, wasn't very dynamic. He's very much what you'd expect from an undrafted free agent running back who was on the practice squad and was never elevated unless there was an emergency, which was right now. So he was okay. The passing game started out very slow, but did they get red hot at the end of the game? In fact, the answer to that stupid Justin Jefferson touchdown that helped put the Vikings up at the end of the game was Aaron Rodgers throwing a dart to Marquez Valdez-Scantling and watching MVS run 75 yards, peaking out at just over 22 miles an hour, according to next-gen stats, as he ran to the end zone. And that defensive back was like, what is going on? That is the fastest single player in the NFL this season. 22 point something miles an hour. MVS, just... Incredible speed. Now we understand why Rodgers tries to force the ball to him downfield because if he catches it, he's got to outrun the the guy behind him and he's probably going to do it. And Rodgers missed MVS a couple times deep again. Rodgers and MVS on that deep ball just cannot get it right. They just can't get it right. And Rodgers overthrowing him is crazy because he's got such good speed. If you're going to overthrow that guy, that's incredible. That's that's some arm talent right there. But but the accuracy has got to be there and... I don't want to see that cost the Packers a game either, but that was that was incredible. The Packers get a big touchdown there to tie the game. Of course, the quick score by MVS, I mean, you're not going to not get in the end zone. You have to score so you can tie things up. But the problem was that it gave Minnesota too much time and they were able to move the ball against the Packers, drain the clock, get down into field goal range and kick the game-winning field goal. So... Speaking of kickers, Mason Crosby misses a field goal early in this game. Mason Crosby is a train wreck. I don't, you know, you can love Mason Crosby. You can be a huge fan. You you know, a leading, leading scorer in Packers history and all that kind of stuff. Mason Crosby is a train wreck right now. He's a train wreck. Because mentally, he is a liability. He can make field goals. And I say all of that about Mason Crosby because that's the reality. The unfortunate thing is, is that we cannot depend on Mason Crosby because he's not consistent. And now I'm going to turn around and I'm going to say that, no, I don't necessarily think making a change at kicker is the right thing to do because you're just going to swap out Mason Crosby who might make a critical kick in a very tough situation for a guy who has never had to do that or has rarely had to do that. So give me the, the, the devil that I know, which is Crosby kicking like garbage 
at times this season because he might still come through. I mean, he hit a 54-yarder earlier in the game. That's that's nothing to scoff at. <laughs> and at least this time when he missed, he hit the, hit the goal post. He didn't shank shank it. But Mason Crosby's a train wreck. I mean, he's got the yips, the mental, whatever you want to call it. He's got it. And it's not great. And the Packers special teams just continues to, in one way, shape, or form, you don't think that it's going to be your your stud kicker and your your franchise all-time franchise leading scorer that's going to be, become the problem. But the Packers lost three points today because of that. It was early in the game. So I you can sit there and say, well, they would have tied and gone to overtime. There's a lot of things that would have changed if Crosby makes that earlier field goal so that would have changed the ebbs and flows of the game. You don't know if it would have come down to that. But it was three points that came off the board. And the Packers have to they have to figure that out. But I just don't I don't think changing kickers right now is is the thing. I just don't think it's the thing. I think you're just swapping out a guy who has kicked in a lot of playoff games. Let's not forget how he beat Dallas. He's made some really, really big, big kicks in his career. A lot of walk-offs. A lot of big ones. He finally get the hit the walk off against Cincinnati after that terrible day where that's where everything started. That's where all of the everything going south started was in that game. And the long snapper, you know, puts one on the ground. Corey Bohorquez, the punter today, has to dig it up and kick away. You know, the the, the special teams is just uh, it's it just leaves something to be desired. Every single week, there's some sort of gaff or thing that happens that impacts the the game. It just doesn't go well for the Packers. And but but Mason Crosby, honestly, just stick with them. Because when you get to the end of the season and, and, you know, he may now rattle off the rest of the, he might not miss another kick the rest of the season. He's done it before. So you have to look at that. You got to look at that thing and you have to say, hey, it's about to turn into to winter at Lambeau Field. I mean, he's kicked there for the better part of 15 years. Like, you've got to go with that. You got to go with that. But Mason Crosby's a train wreck right now. So I'm I'm telling you, stick with Crosby, but he's a train wreck because when he walks out there now, everybody, and justifiably so, is going to cover the one eye and just kind of watch, just hoping that he doesn't miss because he's he's missing. He's missing kicks every single game. Seattle, once again last week, they didn't even rush. They didn't even rush. It's all in his head. And, and that's a bad place to be if you're a place kicker because it's it's like golf. It's just as mental as it is physical. So... Okay, so the, the the whole okay, so the whole and this is how I want to end this this show today because I'm kind of I'm kind of in a I guess a stream of consciousness right now. You can kind of tell I'm not sounding as crisp as I normally do, but it's because I just have a lot of a lot of things on my mind, and I just want to talk about my insight into into this team and my take, so that when I tweet something or I say something, everybody understands where I'm coming from. Because like I said before earlier. It's all about your frame of reference. It's all about what your expectations are in a situation. And that's not just watching football, but anything, a job, a, you know, schoolwork, like any, whatever you expect of yourself or others is going to shape how you experience whatever it is that you're experiencing in that moment. So I have said it today and I've said it many times before. I think that this Packers team can win it all. So because that is my expectation and or my my thought 
Well, then I want the Packers to do that because that's the whole point. For me, it's the chase of a championship. I enjoy watching the Packers play and getting that three hours of entertainment every Sunday and an escape and understanding it's not life and death. I get all of that, but I want the Packers to be champions and that matters to me. And if it doesn't matter to you, that's okay. But I'm just, I'm just saying that's what matters to me. So that's what drives how I follow the game, how I tweet. And those of you who follow me have seen, I tweet very emotionally during the game and how I fan you mean being used as a verb there, fan the Green Bay Packers. Those, those things all drive how I do it because that is my, that's my desire. That's my end game. I want the Packers to be champions. I don't want them to just have played well. I don't want them to have gotten to the doorstep and, well, they could have won, but they didn't. Shuckums. That is not me. And again, if that's you, that's okay. I'm not trying to alienate anybody here, but that is absolutely not me. I, that is as far from my mentality and as far from an acceptable mindset as I could possibly have for myself. So to me, this loss sucked because it's a divisional loss. It's an NFC loss. Elton Jenkins is lost. Nothing was gained. Now, fortunately, the Kansas City Chiefs beat the Dallas Cowboys, which is helpful. The Arizona Cardinals did beat Seattle, but the Packers still hold the tiebreaker over Arizona because they won head-to-head. Tampa's got a cakewalk against the Giants tonight, and they still have to play the game. I mean, you know, the, the, the crazier things have happened. Tampa conceivably is going to improve. So everyone's going to gain on the Packers. So it sucks. Because you want to be in that top spot. You want to stay in that top spot. And you've got the Rams coming next week. They just got their butts handed to them on Monday Night Football by the Niners. They're pissed. This is their bye week. So they're going to come in rested and ready to go. Ready to get after the Packers. I think the margin to be playing at home or on the road in the playoffs is just so thin and it can come down to a game like this. So had they just had the Packers lost by two, three possessions and it just never got into it. Okay. So they clunked on the road, but they were in it and they had chances and they should have had the ball last and they didn't. And, and we might not be, you know, it's, there's still six games. So sure. You can sit there and say, well, there's a lot of football left. They can, they can figure it out. But what if they don't, what if this was the start of them not figuring it out? I don't, they're not going to lose out. Packers are going to win some more games for sure. But what if we do end up looking back at this game and saying, you know, that divisional loss because of the math and everything else involved made the Packers, the not one seed, not two seed, not three seed. And they had to play different levels of, it matters. It does matter. So it's okay to be ticked off in November, even though there's still December and January to be spoken for. So, and I get that even if the Packers don't get the one seed, they could be the two or the three. I mean, the one or the two can get knocked out and suddenly the Packers end up playing at home in the NFC Championship game anyway. I understand all of that. I get that. And, and I'm willing to let it play out. And I hope that it plays out that way. But I'd rather win now. You know, I mean... Just take all these what ifs and all that kind of stuff. I I feel like just throw them out the window as far as I'm concerned, because the question is, did they win the game? Did they win the game? Did they win the season? 
Were they ahead in the standings? Did the scoreboard say they were the winner? Not in this game. Not against the Vikings. It's what the standings say. If, you know, it's like Bill Parcells said, you are what your record says you are. So the Packers are 8-3. and three. They've lost three games. One of which is to a divisional opponent. So they had opportunities in this game and they just crapped it away. They Too many penalties. They shot themselves in the foot. They couldn't hang on to interceptions. Their, their safety, who said he was going to start catching interceptions, didn't do what he said he was going to do, didn't make the play. And I'm, I'm being hard on Darnell Savage and I'm going to be hard on Darnell Savage because if he doesn't make that play and he screws up a playoff game like that, I, my words are not going to be as as um, as kind as they are right now. And if they don't sound kind to you right now, that's my point. Imagine how much worse they could possibly sound if he doesn't get it done in the playoffs. You only get one shot. It's a single elimination deal. So that's that's it. Moral victories don't fulfill me. There aren't any. I don't care about that stuff. Go talk about that with your friends that are into that stuff. I I don't care. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't, the whole, I, you know, let's, here's some positives I took away from this game. They lost. And they lost another player for the season. That's, that's all that I'm thinking about right now. So the way to get that sour taste out of my mouth is for them to win the next game. So until they win the next game, it's sour. That's it. All this whole, you know, Packers fans are spoiled and, you know, it's, it, just save it. Save it. I don't want to hear it. Everybody has their right to their, their take, you know, some people want wins, period. Nothing else matters. Others just want to enjoy a good game. They don't care about the result. It's Some people can actually turn this thing off after three hours. They literally shift into another mode and they don't think about the Packers until the following game day at kickoff. God bless them. Sometimes I wish I could do that because I'll wake up tomorrow and one of the first things I'm going to think about is Packers lost on Sunday. I'm recording on Sunday night. So tomorrow is right now, Monday. When you're listening to this, but here's the thing. If someone doesn't think like you, and I said, again, if someone doesn't think like me, don't chastise them. And I'm not trying to chastise anybody. I'm just saying, if you're going to come at me, there are certain things that resonate with me. And there are other things that just, they go over my head. I don't want to hear it because I think every loss has a consequence. It just does. It's, they're not positive things. There's nothing positive to take away from a loss. I mean, that doesn't, that, again, that doesn't mean I expected the Packers to go 17 and 0 and my expectations are completely out of whack. But minus the Saints game, I mean, they very easily could have won both of the losses. And those losses could end up being costly. Now, the Kansas City one didn't bother me as much because, well, it was Jordan Love's first start. It's against an AFC opponent, and it's on the road. All of those factors made it pretty understandable why the Packers wouldn't win that game. And I didn't have any problem with that. I tweeted and said, I've been trying to figure out for all my life, what type of loss would I be okay with? What does it take for the Packers to lose and me to be okay with it. And I think it was the Kansas City scenario. That's about it. Outside of that, I hate it. It sucks. But they also very easily could have lost to Arizona, right? So there's the good with the bad. There are six games left. The Packers are going to come home. They are going to play against the Rams. I expect the Packers to beat the Rams. Right now, that's my expectation. Now, I still have another show to do on Thursday. Will I feel... That way, it'll be a Thanksgiving show. I'm excited to do that. Will I still feel that way on Thursday? I don't know, because there's more that we're going to learn about during the week. And the Packers in this season have just been very unpredictable. And it just seems like even on a day when there is no football played or there's no practice, 
there might be news that comes out the next day that we weren't expecting. So I have no idea how I'm going to feel on Thursday, but I expect the Packers to come out and beat the Rams. I expect that the Packers are going to get some pieces back that are going to help them be a really good football team. And that means Alan Lazard is going to rejoin this team. I'm expecting David Bakhtiari to play at some point because I feel like if he wasn't, we'd know that by now. I expect Jair Alexander to play at some point. And those guys alone, I think, can really provide a boost to this team. Yash Nyman, I want to give big ups to him. I don't. I didn't watch the film. Maybe he didn't grade out well in this game. Andy Herman over at uh, Packaday Podcast and and a Packer Report is going to probably have some grades and we'll we'll see how he graded out. But he came in when Elton Jenkins went down, and he did okay. And I think the Packers should feel really good or better about if you know, hey, if we have to roll with this guy, right? If Bakhtiari comes back. Well, now, because Nyman's serviceable and he can play well, maybe you kick Billy Turner in at right guard so you can put Royce Newman on the bench and let him develop a little more slowly and keep Lucas Patrick at center. When Josh Myers comes back, Lucas Patrick can either be the left guard or keep running out there and you put Patrick back on the bench and you've got more depth because Nyman's your right tackle and Billy Turner's your right guard. Or they have options. They have options, you know. Tipa Nalea, I think I'm saying his name wrong, but I think it's Tipa Nalea. I was impressed with him. I liked his mojo. Him coming in there and and making a couple plays. He had a big third down stop on Delvin Cook, a one-on-one tackle to stop on third down, force a punt. Yes, sir. Absolutely. Thank you. Elevated from the practice squad. Undrafted. This Packers team is just, it's, the depth is great, but it's when the stars go down, there's 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 going to be the one too many. And I'm just, I'm worried that maybe Elton Jenkins was that one too many. So a lot to be said, a lot to, lot to happen there. And I did kind of go on a rant and I was very preachy in this show. And so a little bit, a little bit of a different vibe, but after a loss and a, and a tough one and a heartfelt game, the Packers played, this was, this was likely going to be what you were going to get from me. So I'll wrap it up here. Thank you everybody for following along with me on a Monday Hope everybody has a good start to their week. It's a it's a shorter week. Everybody's going to get a little bit of rest. Hopefully have a great Thanksgiving weekend coming up for everybody. So enjoy your Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. I'll be back for a Thanksgiving edition of the Quick Slants podcast talking about the Packers getting back to practice and getting ready to right the wrong of the loss to Minnesota Vikings and hopefully getting ready to take down the Los Angeles Rams at Lambeau Field on Sunday. Everybody, as always, stay safe. Enjoy your week. And go Pack Go. Rodgers fakes the handoff. Quick throw right side. There's Devontae. From right to left. Cutting left to the 50. To the 45-40. Track down from behind. 